Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 233. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of the Lend at Fintech Conference. Today's episode is sponsored by Lend at Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. It's happening on May 13th and 14th, 2020 at the Javits Center in New York. Lending and banking are converging and Lend at Fintech immerses you in the most important trends of the day. Meet the people who matter, learn from the experts and get business done. Lend at Fintech, lending and banking connected. Go to lendit.com slash USA to register. Today on the show, I am delighted to welcome Sanket Patak. He is a CEO and founder of Synapse. Now, Synapse is a really interesting company. They're basically a banking platform, an API-based banking platform. They say they enable companies to build and launch best-in-class financial products. And they really are really at the core of this movement, this change we're seeing in banking into this sort of banking as a service embedded finance. And we talk about that in some depth and actually Sanket gives us his perspective on where he thinks it's going. We also talk about the different product offerings they have. One of them is really interesting, the, a lending product. They're, they're talking about how they are able to really enable warehouse funding lines, which is uh, uh, thought for lenders, which is really interesting. We talk about the, how Sanket as a first-time entrepreneur has been able to raise money from some of the biggest names in venture capital. And uh, we talk about what else is on their roadmap for 2020. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Sunket. Thanks for having me, Peter. My pleasure. Okay, so I'd like to get these things started by um, giving the listeners a bit of background. You've had a, an interesting background to date. So why don't you just give the listeners some of the highlights of your career before Synapse? Yeah, before Synapse, I was essentially doing my graduate work. So uh, I was I was at the University of Memphis, finishing up my graduate school in uh, computer engineering. Uh, but most of my research was involving neurophysics. So we were doing research at the Sun, uh, which is the Corona of the Sun, that required kind of doing a lot of like image analysis. So a lot of my time uh, was spent doing computer vision type stuff and analyzing coronal loops in the Sun. Uh, about that time, I started to think what I wanted to do after I graduated, and uh, I tried to apply for a bank account at Simple. Uh, Simple was this neo bank, the first mm-hmm. neo bank, if you may, I think in America, and uh, I was denied a bank account, and that reminded me of the experience I had had when I'd come to America, which was. Uh, no bank was opening up a bank account for me digitally. I, I had to go into a bank branch in Bank of America, which was like two or three miles away. I was very shy back then, so I didn't ask any of my friends to give me a ride. I literally walked all the way there, uh, and they had they asked me for my passport, my proof of address documents, and things like that. And when Simple denied me a bank account, to me it seemed like everyone was trying to go digital, but there was no back office that was accommodating that infrastructural growth mm-hmm. uh, um, because otherwise you would always be confined to immigrants or people with no credit having to go into bank branches. So yeah. I decided let's try to use a little bit that I've learned about computer vision and see if I can help automate uh, the things that I had to give Bank of America in person and if I can just collect those things digitally from people, try to automate that. And banking would become 
fairly inclusive to everyone. It doesn't matter if you're new to the country or if you have no credit history. Um, so that is what really kind of like started the idea of Synapse. And since then, uh, we kind of realized that the problem is much, much bigger than that. Turns out even the, it's not just the back office, the core banking software uh, in the financial infrastructure is fairly outdated as well. So right. we thought instead of trying to build out the next simple, let's try to just simplify the infrastructure for the next wave of fintech companies. And if we can do that extremely well, then by definition, the initial mission, which was ensuring that uh, people have access to high-class financial products regardless of their net worth, um, we would be able to accomplish that by giving developers the tools to build more accommodating products so that when the next simple started, they wouldn't have the uh, immigrant and low credit uh, a score barrier uh, mm-hmm. to be able to open up bank accounts. So that's what we did, just started building out these tools for developers. And through that, we think uh, we can help accelerate uh, um, solving the financial inequality. So giving people access to high-class financial products across the world, regardless of their net worth. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to me that here you are, you've, you've got no, no banking experience, no even entrepreneurial experience, and you decided to uh, to start a, a company in a in a space that's that's highly regulated and uh, highly complex. I mean, I, I guess looking back now, because obviously you've learned a lot. You, I'm sure you didn't know anything about core banking software back before you started. But um, I mean, do you were you naive back then when you just, when you decided to start? Was that a good thing? I mean, I'm just curious about the mindset of of you back then and how that's evolved? Yeah, I think definitely I was naive. I, I don't think I would say I had an optimism bias. I never thought I would succeed. So it's not that <laughs> I started the company with the idea of being, well, one day we're going to have 160 employees and uh, all these different things. So I, I, I never thought we will be at the point that we are today. I still don't think we're successful, but I do think like I didn't imagine that we would be here. So I think... I was naive in the sense that I thought that me and a couple of my friends together could kind of like solve this problem. And yeah, I think I think that's probably like being extremely naive. I think now I have an optimism bias than just being naive. But back then I was naive. So I think that's probably has evolved, which is now I probably have an optimism bias. I I kinda of like I take on things and I take on things thinking, well, they're going to be hard, um, but we're going to prevail. So now that is my attitude before it was just, I was just naive. I was like, well, it cannot be that hard <laughs> and few people would be able to solve this problem. So yeah, I think that's probably changed over time. Right. No, it's, it's interesting because in, in many ways, you, because you don't have any experience, you've sort of can look at it in fresh eyes and maybe, maybe just share what, like, what do you think were the advantages and and the disadvantages, of course, of of building um, Synapse without a banking background? Yeah, I think the advantages are you do kind of think from the basics. So you kind of think how the system should be designed from scratch versus thinking how the system should be designed because that's the way it's been designed. So if you look at our APIs and you look at other people's APIs, Synapse's APIs is like fairly alien uh, in a good way. Like it kind of resonates with developers. By and large, if you would look at other APIs, there would be a different resource for issuing cards and a different resource for opening checking accounts and a different resource for ACH uh, processing and all these different things. And from the very beginning in the back of my mind, I was like, there are three primary things that belong in a financial 
network. One is a user because you have to KYC people and you have to attach accounts and identities together. Uh, so we have a user's resource. The second piece, I was like, it doesn't matter if I open a bank account or bank or Bank of America opens a bank account. It's still a bucket of liquidity. So we called it a node. So nodes belong to users and nodes could be ACH accounts. It could be deposit accounts that we open. It could be like uh, an external card from Wolf Fargo, what have you. It, it literally could be a check that you're sending out. And then the final thing is the transaction. I thought of transaction as an email. So you give from which node to which node. And behind the scenes, Synapse just figures out what's the most efficient payment protocol to move this money. And if it's ACH, we'll do ACH. If it's an internal transfer, we'll do an internal transfer. If it's a wire, we'll do a wire and so on. Um, and no one else has built the, the financial infrastructure that way. And I think I ended up building it that way because uh, I didn't have a legacy to kind of think through. I was kind of like thinking through this from scratch and I was thinking what was the most obvious way to design this. So I think that ended up being extremely helpful. I think the other pieces that are specific to financial services and maybe specific to kind of like running companies in general as well is having like not just the engineering mind but also the people skills. So kind of like having, being super diligent on um, making sure like your partners have uh, a lot of confidence in you taking compliance, you taking uh, uh, customer service, you taking all these things like extremely seriously. So you have to kind of build out the entire infrastructure around a very robust compliance, uh, a very robust customer service team. Um, mm -hmm. And all those things cannot just be like in most startups, you'll be like, oh, well, sure, we have to go through financial audits and SOC audits and we have time to do that. But when you're starting a financial services then that's not something you can take lightly. You have to kind of like do that from the very beginning. So right. having that kind of a download as a first founder from the very beginning, which is like, there are some things you cannot just <laughs> figure out as you go along. These are things you have to have a strong foundation in from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Like one of our very first investors, Doug Marchand, who was, who was pretty much like, like a repeat founder in financial services. He's extremely successful. Um, one of the first things he told me was that like, you have to make sure that like KYC and ENL works extremely well. So from the very beginning, he kind of like instilled that in me, which was, mm -hmm. well, you have to make sure compliance works like really, really well. Um, and, and, and that still stands true. So I think like that piece definitely was like new as an engineer coming in, which is like, oh, well, there are like all these guardrails built around banking and they're not built for any any strange reason other than to protect the customer and really like really kind of like driving that home and internalizing that. I think mm -hmm. I think I would not have had to do that if I were building like a social media app or something like that, which right. so, so I kind of like that I did this because I think I look at what I would call non-regulated internet very differently as I've done since, which is I think some of the some of the regulatory guardrails in cases like Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all these things would could be beneficial. So I think I look at internet in a very different and mature way right. uh, than I would have if I just started some other company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. That makes sense. So let's just step back a second. I'd love to, uh, if you could maybe tell us what your product offerings today, maybe you know, what, what did you start with and how, how that's evolved over time? Yeah, uh, we started with something pretty simple. We started with ACH processing. Um, so we said, let's make it easier for people to do bank-to-bank -bank transfers. 
that we thought was that I thought was like a good way to get us up and running with mm-hmm. financial services. It was a commoditized layer that banks were comfortable letting us have access to. And then we could also build out uh, things that we thought were extremely critical, which is identity verification, like uh, fraud mitigation, things like that, like sanctions, claims, checks, and things like that. So we started there. Then after that, we said, let's add a closed loop deposit account. So it's like a wallet. You could hold money in Synapse and then you can send money out of the uh, out of the payment network, bring money to the payment network. So Sankhya, as an individual, I could open up a Synapse account and have $100, $200 sitting in there that I could fund with an ACH transfer and that I could send money to anyone. And we thought that would be like a next iteration because now we would have to figure out how to ledger money. So we did that next. And then after that, uh, we were like, well, we don't just want to keep the system closed loop. So let's issue virtual account numbers. So we started issuing account routing numbers on top of our deposit accounts. Um, Then the very next obvious thing was let's figure out interest accrual. Then the next obvious thing was let's figure out card issuance. Um, uh, And then a bunch of tertiary services that go around uh, along with that. And then after deposits, we were like, let's figure out lending and then brokerage and so on. So it's very it's a very like iterative process and today our, our product and services are we're kinda of like a one stop shop. You come to Synapse as as an engineer, compliance, a bunch of these things like uh KYC AML, a bunch of these things are already baked into the infrastructure, so you don't have to kinda of like build that muscle from scratch. On top of that, you can do all payment processing. So ACH wires, check issuance, remote deposit capture, card acquiring. Uh, what have you. Then you can open up checking accounts, savings accounts, about like five more different deposit products depending on different use cases like FBO accounts and clearing accounts and so on. You can issue cards. Uh, You can originate and service loans, one-time or revolving loans. Uh, We're getting a credit bin, so essentially you'll be able to do credit cards soon as well. And then Soon we're going to launch like our brokerage account product as well, uh, so people will be able to buy stocks with the API. And recently we just launched our first version of our chatbot product. So we think like simplifying barrier to entry in financial services requires simplifying barrier to entry with compliance, with access to a banking network, uh, uh, giving people the endpoints to be able to originate and issue cards and things like that. And I think another thing that has been a big barrier to entry is being able to do compliance support your customers. Um, so we're pretty much like building out the service center um, for our teams that will make an announcement about the next couple of months. And then on in front of that, we're kind of like building out this chatbot product line uh, where people can literally kind of add Synapse to the white labeled chat interface for their customers. And yeah. it's going to be automated plus human augmented behind the scenes. And that kind of like goes back to the mission. We just want to make sure everyone has access to high-class financial products and high-class financial products require high-class servicing. Right, right. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of like literally like just new product that we just announced like two weeks ago and we're iterating through that like pretty rapidly this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sure. So I want to talk about, give us some sense of the of the kinds of financial institutions you're working with. You know, I see on your, on your website, you say 250 plus platforms, but can you give us some sense of, I don't know whether you have any that you can share publicly, but some sense of the type of financial institutions that you're, that you're onboarding. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Dave is an example customer. Uh, Dave does a lot of their like ACH processing with us for their cash advance product. And then they're also using Synapse to issue 
uh, the, the debit card that they've been kind of like powering. Um, so they're a good example. Then Honey is another good example. Uh, they've been using Synapse for some payment processing work and then their loan origination and servicing as well. So they have this lending product that Synapse has enabled. Then we work with uh, companies like like Trim that's helping customers uh, kind of like reduce their bills over time. So they help negotiate your bills down and over there. Uh, we're doing a savings account and payment processing for them. Uh, for Yield Street, we're doing their high high yield savings account product. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we do payment processing, Fiat wallets for Kraken and also Zapple. And then in case of Zapple, we also do card issuance for them. So those are like a couple of example customers um, that, that, that we're doing things for. Uh, mostly our customers come to us either for payment processing or for deposit products or for card issuance. Like some customers come to us for lending. Um, like currently we like, we have about like 200,000 loan portfolio. And this year we want to expand on that more. So I think we'll probably like take our lending product out of beta into public hopefully like later this year that would also come with credit cards so i think that business can grow mm-hmm. like hopefully pretty well this year so on that i'm curious about your line of credit product that you just you just mentioned and you know how are you going to to, to do that you know I've, I've read that you're actually going to people are going to come directly to synapse and you're going to negate the need for an outside bank for a warehouse line i mean how on earth are you going to do that yeah so i think there are two pieces to this one, like banks are like super important to Synapse's existence. So behind all Synapse products, they're like partner banks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's just we're kind of like simplifying the experience so that people don't have to like go and find a partner bank and find processes and do all these different things. We're going to build this one-stop shop experience for people. On our, on our loan product, there are about two pieces that are pretty interesting. The first piece is originating the loan, like who is the bank of record, mm-hmm. who's going uh, to let you originate the loan on their balance sheet. So that's the first piece that Synapse kind of like solves, which is you come to us, we have our partner banks, um, they help you originate the loan. But what happens over time is our customers still have to kind of like front the capital for these loans because yeah. they are the ones who are kind of like taking the financial risk. Um, so today, the way that works is you can get up and running with Synapse or your loan origination product. As you start scaling that, you would have to go outside into the capital markets and like, like raise like a debt round. Um, to be able to kind of come in and say, okay, I'm going to raise about a 50 or 100 million debt debt facility to be able to finance these loans that I'm originating through Synapse. Mm-hmm. Currently, what we're working on is a debt financing product. So um, in the next couple of months, I was hoping it's going to be in Jan, but I think in the next couple of months, uh, we'll be able to underwrite our customers and say, okay, well, uh, customer X, we you've already done a portfolio of $5 million and we understand your performance. Based on that, we're going to underwrite you and give you a warehouse line so that you don't have to go and kind of seek this out, uh, seek it out elsewhere. Uh, like um, debt financing usually requires like building capital markets team and things like that. It's, yeah. it's, it's a clunky process. And like what we've done with banking is kind of like try to really simplify the experience of how to get onboarded and how to really launch financial products. And you're going to do the same thing on the debt financing piece as well. So, so you can already do the origination piece with Synapse, uh, but we also want to bring in the debt financing instrument so that as our customers scale, they don't have to go and talk to someone else. They can just get the warehouse line through us. So then you're obviously going to be working, I imagine, with a number of different partner banks to provide the capital. So you're almost like 
working as a you know as as a capital arranger type thing is that how is it technically going to work yeah i think that's that's a good question uh, the funny thing is if you take with the exclusion of investment banks the capital at banks are, are is ironically more expensive than capital in private markets so uh, most of our funders are are going to be most likely like private market people not financial institutions so I think that's kind of like one interesting piece. Hmm. The second piece is uh, we're we're going to build out like a special purpose entity. So okay. pretty much the uh, idea being there's going to be an SPV behind the scenes um, that literally like let's call it like Synapse Debt Solutions or whatever Fund One, and we will just raise a debt instrument in there. And the entire purpose of that uh, um, SPV is going to be to uh, origin like to originate and lend out capital to fintech companies that work with Synapse. Um, okay. So that's kind of like the construct we're, we're kind of going to go in. I really like the SPV concept in general because that kind of like you have to define the purpose of fund allocation and how you use it. Um, there's there's some good healthy habits around like like capital calling and things like that that mm-hmm. I think is a good idea. So you pretty much end up managing it like a fund by and large. So right. that's what we'll do here. Okay. Very, very interesting. That's a, that's a creative way to kind of, I imagine like it's almost like a value add for your, for your other, uh, for your existing customers. Okay. So I want to talk about the new buzzword of 2020 and that is embedded finance. And, uh, you know, you are, you are sort of, you've, you've kind of built this company with, with this in mind. It's where you've got each particular piece is its own thing and you can plug and play different components. So I'm curious about how you, uh, one, how you view that term, but what is, where do you feel like, what's, where are we going with this? I mean, I, I, I feel like embedded finance has sort of been, we've been moving in this direction for some time, but where is it, where is it going to go from here? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Yeah, I like their their new terms. Synapse was doing this before banking as a service was a thing. Right, right. Now everyone's like talking about BAS. <laughs> it's BAS, I don't know. But yeah, I think I think if we step back from all of this, I think the the, the most important thing is how can we distribute high class financial products to the masses that either didn't exist before or were only accessible to really affluent people. So uh, that that requires innovation on a couple of fronts. That requires innovation on uh, the back office, which is what Synapse is trying to do. Then that requires innovation on the user interface, which is what almost every consumer-facing fintech company is trying to do. Mm-hmm. It also requires a lot of innovation in servicing because uh, to be to be able to do these things at scale, you would have to have a really efficient uh, application and a servicing operation. And... The fourth thing, which is where most of the focus goes these days, because um, in private markets right now, there's like a lot of capital is CAC, which is cost of customer acquisition or distribution mm-hmm. in general. I think, and this is my perspective, and some people disagree with this, I don't think there's going to be a couple of brands that would really eat the cake. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen is, and what happens in almost any industry that gets commoditized way too much, is that there's a lot of competition, and mostly people shop based on 
their their cultural and fashion preferences. What do they want to be associated with? And like, who do they really resonate with? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen that happen with credit unions in the past in financial services. We've seen that happen with clothing. Uh, we've seen that happen in in food and all these different things. Uh, pretty much the entire clothing infrastructure built in India, China, and Bangladesh accommodates almost all brands. Um, mostly the entire infrastructure built by Cisco and alike accommodates almost all the food revolution that we see. And I, I think something similar is going to happen in financial services, which is you're going to have almost all these financial products with them extremely commoditized. And you're going to have some customers that have a large addressable population. So Apple's an example of that. And they would distribute financial products. And then you would also have new fintech companies that would really cater to a certain portion of the population. Like Dave is a good example of that. Propel is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market they're going after traditionally didn't have enough margins and was not as big as people thought it was for any large bank or for any Apple type company to service. And I think that's just going to happen more and more. We're going to be able to mine a lot of markets uh, like the Nepali immigrant population in America, uh, Nepal is a fairly small country, but there are a decent amount of immigrants here um, and they have very different needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mexican immigrants have very different needs and all these different use cases are going to get polished and refined and people would be able to kind of like accommodate those smaller markets uh, and still make good money to be able to have a sustainable business because the cost of running financial operations is going to go down and has gone down significantly. Mm-hmm. So I do think there are going to be some large players. Apple is an example of that. Maybe like Amazon's going to do something. Um, but on top of that, there are so many of these like pockets of innovation that still need to be mined and still need to be catered to. Mm-hmm. That's going to keep on happening. Uh, and then on top of that, I think like Robinhood and Wealthfront and all these people have built some very compelling consumer brands. China would put in the same category. Mm-hmm. And because of the fact that they've made themselves trusted consumer brand, uh, any financial product that they offer would have some adoption as well. So I think those are all different variants. And that probably goes back to the piece that you're talking about, like embedded finance in general. And that's what's really going to happen. Like, they're, they're all different acquisition channels for financial products. Um, uh, some of them are going to innovate on not just the fact that they have a large customer base that they can distribute products to, but also kind of like really solve some legitimate needs that no one else is solving. And combination of all three of them, very, very popular brands, trusted financial brands like Wealthfront and Robinhood, large companies with like good distribution modes like Apple, and then companies that would mine new use cases like Propel and Dave. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to see a combination of all of them. Right. Right. Okay. Makes sense. But I think one thing that would happen across board over the course of the next couple of years is products, financial products are going to become by and large global. Like, um, I think the, I think the revolute thing is going to be default in the next three to four years. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It's going to be so, like the default option. So does that mean that you are, um, Synapse is, is thinking globally? You're, are you looking at, uh, taking this beyond the US? Two weeks from now, we will make an announcement. okay okay stay tuned everybody on that so we're almost out of time but a couple of things i really want to get to you know i was looking back at uh i actually was uh 
I saw this, you know, the interview you did uh, with Angela Strange of Andreessen Horowitz, and uh, you have some other A-list uh, VCs that you have raised money for, and it's 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 pretty impressive because you are a first-time um, CEO. So tell us just a little bit how that process has gone and how you're able to get some of these the biggest names in in really in fintech VCs on board. Yeah, I think I feel really lucky that that happened. And like what last two years have kind of like demonstrated to me is like, they're like really good people. Like, so having some really supportive people and really smart people around you is very, very helpful. So, yeah, I, it's, it's been pretty interesting. Like, um, and, and it, it's a, <laughs> Fate is a weird thing. Like um, the funny thing is, when I first moved to San Francisco, I knew no one here, and I knew like someone who had recommended I should kind of like move to San Francisco. They made my the first introduction to a venture firm. Uh, that venture firm ended up being Trinity. So I I went and I talked to some people at Trinity. And Shork uh, back then was not at Trinity, but he was an entrepreneur in residence at Trinity. So. At the very, very beginning when I moved here, I spoke with Trinity about Synapse. Um, back then, they didn't end up investing, but that's how I met Shork. And then years later, uh, when I wasn't even looking for a Series A, uh, Shork reached out and he was like, I think, I think I'm think i going to lead your Series A. Um, <laughs> and it's funny how those kind of like things add up. And then I had also met Aryan uh, from Core uh, like way back. And I, I really respected and what respect uh, Aryan and and Kat from Core, mm-hmm. uh, I really, really, really resonated with their mission, uh, like which is pretty much Synapse's mission sure. to ensure that everyone across the planet has access to high class financial products. So, like, so deep yep. synergy there. Mm-hmm. So when I was raising my Series A, which work, um, <laughs> I I reached out to Aryan and I was like, I'm not talking to a lot of people uh, for participation. There are like three people that I'm talking to and you're top of my list. And if you say no, I'd be really sad. (laughs) (laughs) And then then he was like, okay, let me go back, think about it. Uh, And then he came back and he was like, you know what, we're actually going to invest. And I was like, that's awesome. Then uh, I think a couple of our customers that were in recent portfolio companies uh, probably mentioned Synapse to Angela and Alex, and then I remember having a call with Alex and Angela before they even got interested in like raising, um, like uh, in, in investing in Synapse, and uh, they made a couple of introductions, like with Visa and things like that. I think they were extremely helpful. And then after a couple of months, like Angela messaged me and said, um, "Hey, I want to come and visit you at your office." And I wasn't really looking to raise, and uh, she came by, and I was like, "Angela is a product person," uh, at, like I was just. Like Angela did this, like recently she did this presentation at A16Z's, I think like annual summit and the amount of depth she has into things, like she goes in extreme detail about how things really work and only like by and large only product people can do that. Mm-hmm. So she had like similar depth when she came like and met me. She like understood our API as well. She understood the product really well. Uh, and at that point I was like, this is like one of the first investors I've talked to <laughs> that actually understands our API. Um, so I was like, if I'm going to raise, I'm going to raise from her. Um, and that's what ended up happening. They ended up kind of like raising around from them. So it was pretty much like that. Like I like met these people organically and like, I think they liked what we were doing. So they ended up kind of like participating and became a part of the journey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. So, 
before I let you go, that I want to. There's also something I read that I thought was super interesting. And you said, I read that you're starting a seed investing program to help some of your clients build their company. Now, tell us, tell us a little bit about how that's going to work. Yeah, I was wanting to do that like end of last year. So like we're kind of behind on it, but I think, I think we're going to do it this year. I think like this year we'll end up doing it. I have a couple more things going to finish before that, but I think we'll end up doing the seed financing thing as well. It's going to work very similarly to our warehouse line product, which is we're going to have like a special purpose vehicle and have, have some fund out, some funds allocated in there. Um, now we're still debating if we're going to do bridge rounds or if we're going to do like true seed rounds. I'm not mm-hmm. sure about that because we might just end up saying, well, we'll do kind of like convertible note type financing um, between rounds to, to help people kind of like demonstrate growth because right. I think that's where we end up. Like I think Synapse would be a good partner like two fronts. I think one, we've seen so many financial products get built at this point that we have some insight into like how best to do these things. And I think the second piece is we can definitely kind of like give you your your platform to be able to help demonstrate demand and growth. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of like two pieces. And I'm not sure where do I feel comfortable adding the most value to today. Like uh, first one is very hands-on because we'll have to kind of like strategically like uh, also like advise people. And the second one's kind of hands-off. It's mostly just giving capital and letting things take its shape. So based on so much stuff that goes on, like like new countries that we're adding, the service center we're taking live and things like that, I think we might be stretched too thin on like giving a lot of hands-on strategic advice to people. Uh, so I think I maybe I'm leaning towards doing uh, the bridge round between seed and series A uh, with the pitch being, I take a little bit of money from us. Uh, uh, most likely if your product is extremely good, you will end up raising your series A at a much better, uh, at a much better valuation in 12 months than you would today. Mm-hmm. And we can help. Uh, kind of like showcase that Mm -hmm. so I think that's what I'm leaning towards doing so I think that's the piece we're probably going to end up focusing on okay interesting and so finally then what what else is on your your product roadmap for this year Uh, yeah so we're definitely gonna yeah we're gonna do some global stuff I think that thing is kind of like front and center we're gonna do our brokerage account product we're gonna scale our lending and card issuance product and then we're gonna add uh, some like cool features to our chatbot product, like the chatbot product is like pretty interesting and key for us at this point. So we're going to keep on iterating on that. The goal is to start from uh, doing like easy automated flows, like link your external bank account, uh, upload any uh, enhanced due diligence KYC information, uh, link your bill pay all the way to general support. Then we want to go a step further and we want to see if we can help give people financial advice as well. So we probably would jump into that if not this year, next year. But we're like building out some cool stuff for it. Like one thing that our uh, our machine learning team, uh, the same team that built out our uh, data enrichment product, which is like the whole mandate with the data enrichment product was make sure that no one ever uh, have to Google search, what's this charge again? So right. being able to give people the merchant logo and the name and the location, just very clean data on every transaction. Mm-hmm. Now we want to take that one step further because we own our own card issuer and processor now as well. So if someone swipes a card, we can recognize the merchant about like 95 plus percent of the time 
version two, uh, we have a hundred percent enrichment guarantee with a two-day SLA. So in two days, even if it goes through a manual flow, because we've built out this like like semi-automated retraining pipeline, we can mm-hmm. essentially queue things behind the scenes and like have some manual oversight on them as well. With all of that combined, the next thing I want to do that I think is really going to become a bigger issue, even though it hadn't yet, is the subscription play. Almost everyone subscribes to way too many things, and then they forget to unsubscribe. So we want to be able to automatically detect all of your subscriptions, give that in an easy API call, uh, and tell you, hey, you're subscribed to like six streaming services. Do you want all of them? And if the user say, no, actually, I want to discontinue these three, um, then automatically discontinue those for them. So moving forward, uh, Hulu or HBO Go or whatever, uh, don't don't charge them anymore. Uh, and we can do that because of our processor and because of this like data enrichment tech that we've built. So like simple things like that will start off with and then uh, try to make it a little more complex over time. Well, that's uh, that's super interesting, and but we'll have to leave it there, Sanket. I really appreciate you coming on the show. You've certainly come a long way, and I uh, wish you all the success in the future. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. Okay. See ya. Bye. I don't think anyone can argue that the banking infrastructure, the financial infrastructure the banks have been built on needs to change and needs to change dramatically. And companies like Synapse are, are really enabling this change. And, you know, it's interesting that uh, the fintechs of today are, are choosing to go with these newer types of companies that really are built on an API kind of economy, built to sort of plug in different components and built so that they can easily be updated. I feel like we can't make the same mistake where we build a whole new infrastructure that is difficult to maintain and, 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 we, and we has a repeat the, the same problem all over again. We need this kind of nimble and and uh, ever sort of customizable infrastructure and uh, and that's what uh, Synapse is building and I think it's, uh, it's fascinating and I, I, you know, I think companies like Synapse are going to provide the framework for for the financial system of the future. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Today's episode was sponsored by Lendit Fintech USA, the world's largest fintech event dedicated to lending and digital banking. It's happening on May 13th and 14th, 2020 at the Javits Center in New York. Lending and banking are converging and Lendit Fintech immerses you in the most important trends of the day. Meet the people who matter, learn from the experts and get business done. Lendit Fintech, lending and banking connected. Go to lendit.com slash USA to register.